take your Bible, if you would, and turn to John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10. And it is good to have uh, my mother-in-law here. Uh, Karen is here. Uh, Kirk is not. He's still in California. But, well, he's not in California anymore. He's on his way. He's between California and Oklahoma. Uh, but uh, most of you know that uh, Julie's parents uh, have... Uh, decided uh, because of the Lord's direction in their life to move to Oklahoma, and uh, we're thankful to have them here in this state, and uh, they're uh, going to be a great addition to this state, and uh, we're thankful for them. And then not only did they come, but they also brought a couple others with them. They brought uh, their adopted son, Harley. He's here this morning, and then also great Aunt Jeannie uh, is standing right next to uh, Julie, and uh, she is a great in a lot of different ways. Um, that's a great adjective for her. She's a, she's a wonderful lady and uh, been a blessing uh, to us. And uh, we're glad to have her here as well. So uh, make sure you go and welcome them uh, to Oklahoma. This is our first week in Oklahoma, like as residents of Oklahoma. So uh, glad to have them. All right, John chapter 10. Uh, we're going to pick it up in verse number 10. And uh, read all the way down through verse number 18. John 10, 10 through 18. The Bible says this. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As a father knoweth me, even so know I the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father." Lord, we come to you again in prayer, thanking you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to study your word and to grow from it. Lord, I pray that you'd meet every need represented in this room today. I don't know all of the needs, but Lord, I'm thankful that as the good shepherd, you do. And Lord, I pray that you would meet every need according to your word and according to your will. Lord, I pray that, uh, again, you would draw us closer to yourself as a result of this time. And pray these things in Christ's precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, four Sundays ago, we uh, began this new series that we simply entitled, I Am. And uh, we are looking at the seven I Am statements of Jesus Christ as found in the book of John. Uh And we're doing this because we're wanting to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ because our theme this year here at Cornerstone Baptist Church is looking unto Jesus. And if we're to look to him, it's important for us to have a good understanding of who we're looking at. And so uh, going through this little series, looking at what Jesus said as he describes himself has been very valuable. 
Uh, the first I am statement found in the book of John was in John chapter 6, when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And in that we learn that Jesus is the source of our life, our physical life, our eternal life, and our abundant life. He is the sustainer of life, and he is the only one that can give true satisfaction in this life. Uh, when he said in John chapter 8 and in John chapter 9, he said it twice, that I am the light of the world. Uh, we learned there that that means that he exposes our sin, uh, not to condemn us, but to make us aware of our condition so that we'll come to him. He exposes our sin, he enables our sight, and uh, he expects us to shine. Because if you recall, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he then turns around to us and says, ye are the light of the world. This is the only one that he shares with us. The only I am statement that he shares with us. Last Sunday, if you recall, we looked in John chapter 10 and uh, the first part of the chapter and uh, learned that Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. And in, in that I am statement, we learned that he is the only door. There is no other door into heaven. He's the only door that we can come through. And he is also the open door. At least he's open for right now. And that any man may enter in, but any man must enter in if he's going to be saved. Now today we're going to look at the fourth I am statement of Jesus in the book of John. And it's very much related to uh, Jesus saying, I am the door of the sheep. Now he says, I am the good shepherd. And actually, he says it twice. He says it once here in verse number 11 when he says, I am the good shepherd. And then he repeats that I am statement in verse number 14 when he said, I am the good shepherd. Now, we know that God has a special place in his heart for shepherds. As you trace this concept of shepherds all the way through the scriptures, and I'm not going to do an exhaustive study on it this morning. I'm just going to kind of get a couple little uh, highlights as we go through. Uh, I, I was thinking back to the message we looked at last Sunday night when we looked at Abel and uh, how he worshipped the Lord by sacrificing a, the firstling of his flock. So we know Abel was a shepherd. Uh, Abraham was also a shepherd. Moses actually spent some time as a shepherd before God then called him to shepherd the nation of Israel and lead them to the promised land. David, if you recall, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the man after God's own heart, the second king of Israel, was first a shepherd boy. And if you recall, God chose to declare the good tidings of great joy that Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem to a bunch of shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night. In Ezekiel chapter number 34, we read about God rebuking the shepherd leaders in, Israel, in Israel's history. Of course, Israel had several different kings, and a good majority of them uh, were evil kings. Uh, there are some good exceptions, but uh, the rule of those, that, that generally speaking, the shepherd leaders in Israel uh, were uh, wrong, and they, they were leading the nation of Israel astray. And in Ezekiel chapter 34, God rebuked them, and and then he promises then to be, good, be the good shepherd in Israel someday in the future. 
And so here in John chapter 10, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, basically what he is saying is he is the fulfillment of that prophecy that God would uh, be the good shepherd in Israel and in the other fold as well, which is you and I, the other part of the flock. That's verse number 16. And the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, that's you and I, those of us who are Gentiles. So what else does this fourth I am statement that Jesus made about being the good shepherd uh, teach us? Well, first of all, this morning it teaches us about the description of the good shepherd. In this passage, we learn a lot of different uh, aspects of the good shepherd. Uh, we, we learn, first of all, and this, this one didn't take very long for me to uh, come out and, and, and learn and, and, and draw out of this. We learn that he is good. You're like, Pastor, I could have told you that. That's the title. It's in the, his I am statement. I am the good shepherd. Um, what does this mean, though? Uh, what does the word good mean? When we use the word good in our vocabulary, sometimes we use it in a comparison type uh, way. Usually it's as opposed to bad. But sometimes we'll... Uh, say good as opposed to better or best or great. No, I'm just doing good. I'm not doing great. I'm just doing good. And so when we see the fact that God is, or Jesus says here, I am the good shepherd, does that mean he's not the great shepherd? No, actually Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse 20 tells us that not only is he the good shepherd, he's also the great shepherd. Hebrews 13, 20 says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. See, he is called the great shepherd as well, but here Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. What does the word good mean, though? The Greek word for good used in this text here is, uh, is the word kalos, and that means properly beautiful, good, literally, or morally. He is valuable or virtuous. You see, he is the good shepherd in that he is morally good. He is virtuously good. He is also uh, properly and beautiful, or properly beautiful, and uh, he is chiefly good. Uh, this goodness of God is highlighted so many different times in the scriptures. Psalm thirty-four and verse number eight. Uh, the psalmist said, David did, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Uh, I am notorious, my wife will tell you this, that uh, whenever it's time to eat something new, I'll say, I don't like it. And she says, well, have you ever tried it? And I will say, no, I haven't, but it just doesn't look good. And so therefore, I don't like it. Uh, is there anybody else like that, or am I the only one? Okay, there's a couple of you. Okay, thank you. And you just determine that you like it before you ever, or you don't like it before you even try it. Um, when it comes to the Lord, here we're invited to try Him out, and when you do, you will find that He is good, and He is good to all. A. W. Tozer writes in his book, "The Knowledge of the Holy," says this about the goodness of God. He said, the goodness of God is that which disposes him to be kind, cordial, benevolent, and full of goodwill toward men. He is tender-hearted and of quick sympathy, and his unfailing attitude toward all mortal beings is open, frank, and friendly. 
By his nature, he is inclined to bestow blessedness, and he takes holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. The truth that God is good is either directly taught or implied on every page of the Bible, Tozer says. See, God's goodness is really throughout the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 68. The psalmist declared, and he said this about God, Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. He said, you're good, and all that you do is good. And you might be sitting there thinking, oh yeah, well, you don't know about this trial that came into my life. Oh, God is good even in allowing that. Uh, God is good in everything. Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust him. So the first thing we learn about uh, the description of, of the good shepherd is the fact that he is simply good. He is good. And as a shepherd, he, as he leads us and guides us, he's good in how he does it. And he's good in the timing, and he's good in every aspect of it. He is the good shepherd. But we also learn about the fact that he is not only good, he is also powerful in this passage. If we uh, uh, skip all the way down to verse number 18, here the Lord Jesus is saying, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down on myself. And then he says this, I have power to lay it down. And then he says, And I have power to take it again. So you say, well, I know who killed Jesus. It was the Romans. No. He laid down his life. He had the power to lay down his life, to lay it down. And then he resurrected by his own power. I have power to take it again. You see, he is powerful. We talked a little bit about this on Wednesday night, so this might be a little review, but, but that's okay. A little review is good. There's a verse that talks about God's power in Jeremiah 32, in verse 17, where Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. And then at the end of that verse, he says, And there is nothing too hard for thee. You remember that? Whatever is going on in your life, it is not too difficult for him. He is able to see us through whatever we're going through. He is able to make a way where there is no way. Do you remember how uh, the Lord shepherding through Moses, leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt, and they get to a cul-de-sac and they're facing the Red Sea and there's no way out of this. Except for the fact that nothing is hard for him. And he was able to part that Red Sea and the nation of Israel, all those uh, multi-thousands people, millions of people perhaps, walked across on dry ground. God made a way where there seemed to be no way. You might be at a cul-de-sac in your life going, I don't know how we're going to move forward from this. He'll make a way. He is powerful. He is powerful enough to lay down his life, and he is powerful enough to take it again, and he is powerful enough to handle anything that comes into my life and yours. He's powerful. We also learn that 
Not only is he good and powerful, but he's also loving. Verse number 13. The Bible says this, or Jesus says this, the hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. He doesn't really care. These are the hired shepherds, these, I kind of want to call them rent-a-cops. It's not really a rent-a-cop, but a rent-a-shepherd. And these guys go and they, they do this, but when, when, when the, the kitchen gets hot, they bolt out of there. Jesus says, I'm not like that because I actually care about the sheep. Uh, these guys, they don't care because they don't own the sheep. They, they could care less. They're just doing this for a paycheck. And when, it gets, when, they, when their lives are in danger, they're out of there. But not me. I care. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I care for the sheep. And I know my sheep and am known of mine. You see, he cares for us. Thinking about it in Luke chapter number 15, as Jesus is sharing his heart for us as he's willing to, and he, and he shares that parable of the, the shepherd who leaves the 99 to go find that one. Do you remember that? What he's, doing, what, what he's communicating in, in, in sharing that story is saying, that's how much I love you, that I'm willing to leave the 99 and go and, and, and get you who are wandering away and strayed from the fold. He loves us. He cares for us. Peter said this in 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, casting all your care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. Because he cares for you. Psalm 34 and verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The Lord cares for us. A songwriter wrote this song. Does Jesus care when my heart is pained? Too deeply for mirth or song? As the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long? Does Jesus care when I've tried and failed to resist some temptation strong? When, my, when for my deep grief there is no relief, through my tears flow, though my tears flow all the night long? Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? There's a few people in our church who have recently had to do that. Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me and my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks? Is it aught to him? Does he see? And the chorus of that song goes, oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. We see his love as the good shepherd. So this I am statement, it teaches us about the description of the good shepherd, but it also teaches us about the duties of the good shepherd. What does the good shepherd do? Well, first of all, he presides over the sheep. He presides over the sheep. Look in verse number 14. He says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. See, he presides over us and knows everything about us. Now, I've never been a literal, literal, literal shepherd of sheep. I know as a pastor, I'm uh, considered, that's, a, that's another name for pastor, is shepherd. And, uh, and I definitely have sensed that uh, situation and that, that, that heart since I've become a pastor. 
But I've never, I've never had little, literal sheep. But as a teenager, I did own a pet. When I was about 14 or so, I got the responsibility of caring for a rat. I had a large female albino rat that I took care of, and I named her Wilma, <laughs> after, after Fred's wife from the Flintstones cartoon, Wilma. We had a dog too, but she belonged to the whole family, but Wilma, Wilma belonged to me, and I was responsible to care for Wilma. I, I had her food, and I had her cage in my closet, and, uh, and then I, would, I was responsible to play with this rat. How many of you think it's a good idea to have a rat as a pet? There's maybe a couple. Okay. Did anybody else have a rat as a pet? Okay. Brother Scott, amen. Praise the Lord. I was glad. I'm, somebody else uh, is cool. Uh, cool people. Okay. We're the cool people club. But I was responsible to clean the cage, to feed this rat. And then one day, this rat, I felt like I kept feeding this rat too much because Wilma started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm like, what's going on here? I mean, I got to stop. I got to cut down on this food. And then, and then one day, she wasn't so big. And there was a lot of little, little, little baby rats in this cage. I didn't realize, but before I bought her, she was pregnant. And so now I had a little flock of, I don't know if that's what we call them, a little flock of rats, you know. <laughs> that I'm, I'm overseeing, you know, I'm shepherding. Um, and so that was, uh, that was an interesting thing. And, and, the, and the truth of the matter is, I'll just have to be honest, as a teenager, okay, there were some times when I forgot to feed the rat. Okay, but she's a rat. I mean, like, what's the big deal? Uh, there would be some times when I it would go, you know, busy seasons came, and, and it'd be a while before I got to cleaning out that cage. And I was like, okay, I walk in my room after a long day, and I'm like, oh, man, somebody... Okay, me. I need to clean this. Um, and I had to deal with it. I had to take care of this rat and uh, her litter and uh, this, little, uh, this little flock of, of, of rats that I ended up having to take care of. There were some times when, honestly, I neglected Wilma. And uh, there were several days when I would go without even picking her up or doing anything with her. Now, I'm not, I wasn't the greatest shepherd at that point. And probably should ask me that question in the pastoral search questions, you know, do you have any pets and how did they do? Uh, that probably would have been a good idea. But now when it comes to, okay, I'm not the greatest shepherd, obviously. But can I remind you this morning that there is not a time when God, the good shepherd, Jesus, the good shepherd, does not have his eyes upon you. And there's not a place on this planet where he does not see you. He is never going to neglect you. He's not going to be too busy to take care of you. You see, uh, verse number 14, I know my sheep. I'm caring for them. I know what's going on in their life. The Bible says in Proverbs 5 and verse 21, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. Proverbs 15, 3, the Bible says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Obviously, that's a convicting thought to know the Lord is watching. You know, we're all, you know, some of us are kind of sensitive to, like, our privacy online and all that. Look, God knows it all, okay? And uh, he has the right to know what's going on in our life. 
And he doesn't not, not to wait for us to mess up and to zap us with a lightning bolt. No, he does it because he cares about us and wants to make sure we're in a place of safety and we're going the right direction because he is a shepherd and he cares. You remember the song, His Eye is on the Sparrow? And I know the song says, He watches me. And he watches you, again, not out of a creepy way, but because he loves us and wants to make sure that we're safe and that we're cared for because he's a good shepherd. Ira Sankey, who for years led the music for D.L. Moody, uh, his evangelistic meetings, was traveling by steamboat on Christmas Eve in 1875. He was recognized by some of the passengers, and they asked him to sing a song. Well, Sankey agreed, and he began singing the song we sang in our service a little bit ago, Savior, Like a Shepherd, Lead Us. When the song was done, one of the listeners stepped forward and asked, Did you happen to serve in the Union Army? Yes, Mr. Sankey answered. He said, Can you remember if you were doing picket duty on a bright moonlit night in 1862? Mr. Sankey thought about it and said, Yes, again. And the other man said, well, I was serving in the Confederate Army. And when I saw you standing at your post, I raised my gun and took aim. I was standing in the shadow, completely concealed, while the full light of the moon was falling upon you. And at that instant, you raised your eyes to heaven and began to sing that same song, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. And I said, I thought, you know, let him sing his song to the end. I can shoot him afterwards. He said, while you were singing, I heard the words perfectly. We are thine. Do thou befriend us. Be the guardian of our way. I began to think of my childhood and my God-fearing mother who sang that song to me. And when you finished, it was impossible for me to take aim again, I thought. The Lord who is able to save that man from certain death must surely be great and mighty. He said, and my arm of its own accord dropped limp at my side. You see, God, the good shepherd, had protected Sankey in a great way, just like he protects and leads all of his children. See, he presides over us, not out of a mean way, because again, we mentioned he's good. Uh, He cares for us. And, and, and he watches us and he presides over us. What else does he do? What else do we learn about his duties in this? He also guides the sheep. And uh, this one is found a little bit more in Psalm 23. And we won't take the time to turn there. We've already read it in the service. Psalm 23, he does indeed guide the sheep. Sometimes he guides me to the green pasture. Sometimes he guides me beside the still waters. Sometimes he guides me through the valleys of the shadow of death. Sometimes he guides me to the mountaintop, but he knows what's best for me each step of the way. I'm not the best leader when it comes to going to an amusement park. I usually get in trouble. Uh, Not really in trouble, but my wife has to remind me that there are other people that are there with us. Because if it's just me, I like to kind of go my speed, and uh, I want to get through it so that I can go home. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but Julie has to remind me, hey, we got to wait. There's other people that are here. Okay. 
And, uh, and I'm the worst if I'm leading you in a, in, in a car caravan. I'm, I just kind of get an autopilot and just go my speed, and I'm getting there, and I kind of forget there are people following me. The Lord doesn't do that. He is the perfect leader. He's the perfect, he's the good shepherd who uh, goes at the right pace. He's patient, and he's gracious to us and leads us at the right speed and the right timing. I remember where the Lord led us to move to Montana from California way back in 2000. doesn't seem like that long ago, but that is about six years ago. One of the things that I read to our church family to announce that we were going to be moving, I quoted this song, and this song is, He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whatever I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me. By his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. And I said, church family, the Lord's hand has been leading us to move up to Montana. And I want to be a faithful follower. I, it's hard for us to leave because we have come to know and love each and every one of you, but we need to leave because the Lord is leading us. The Lord leads us in different ways, and he leads you differently and at a different pace than he's going to lead me. But he does indeed guide the sheep. Uh, but thirdly, we also know that he also provides for the sheep. He presides over the sheep, he guides the sheep, and then he also provides for the sheep. Matthew 6, we won't take the time to turn there, but I would invite you to maybe jot that down and look at it later and read that passage because it speaks of how the Lord, our good shepherd, meets our needs as only he can. Problem is, too many of us worry and fret over those very basic needs, and God says, I've got this. Would you stop worrying and trust me? I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to make sure you're taken care of. Remember what the Bible says in Psalm 23, 1? We read it a little bit ago. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't have to worry about anything because I know that he's my shepherd, and he's going to meet all of my needs. Trust him and do not fret about how your needs are going to be met. And do not fret about what tomorrow holds. Instead, trust the one who holds tomorrow, the good shepherd. Your good shepherd. See, these are the duties of the good shepherd now, but what will they be in the future? I'm glad you asked, or I'm glad I asked the question. You probably weren't going to ask, but I asked it anyway. Revelation 7, 17, very quickly, I do want to just quote this verse because this is a special verse. And it's, and it's kind of a neat one. Revelation 7, 17 says, For the Lamb, that's a reference to the Lord Jesus, for the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne, the Lamb shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. One day, the Lamb of God, who is Jesus Christ, who is also not only the Lamb of God, but the Good Shepherd, is going to uh, feed us and lead us unto living fountains of water, and God's going to wipe away all tears from their eyes. 
So he is the good shepherd now, and he's going to continue to be the good shepherd in eternity. And I'm looking forward to those days. So we see this I am statement teaches us about the duties of the shepherd uh, as well as the description. But thirdly, it also teaches us about the death of the good shepherd. And this is kind of a surprising thought. But verse number 11 says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Verse 15 As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, uh, at the end of that verse, I lay down my life that I might take it again. Verse 18, I lay down it of myself. I have power to lay it down, talking about his life, and I have power to take it again. This one is strange. Because sheep were very valuable back in the day because they were meant to die. I mean, some were used for their wool, of course, but many were uh, slaughtered for their food, but many of them were used for sacrifice, Old Testament sacrifices. And these, uh, these rent-a-shepherds that he refers to in uh, verse number 12 and 13, these hirelings... Again, they're not going to stay and fight. They're going to they're going to bail as soon as they see a wolf coming. They're going to say, "Eh, no deal. I'm out of here. Too hot for me. I'm out of here." And yet Jesus, the good shepherd, said, "Not me. I'm going I'd be willing I am willing to lay down my life. I'm willing to die in the sheep's place." You see, he he cares so much for us that he was willing to give his life for us. And he not only was willing to, he did give his life for us. He died a horrible death on the old rugged cross so that you and I could live for eternity with him. No wonder the songwriter wrote, Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? He loved the sheep so much that he was willing to give his life for the sheep. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse number 9 says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. He foretold of his death, that he would lay down his life for the sheep, and he also foretold of his resurrection in verse number 18, uh, that I have power to take it again. So the death of the good shepherd, good shepherd is willing to give his life for the sheep, and he did. The fourth thing that this I am statement teaches us is about our distance to the good shepherd. How close are you to the good shepherd? I was thinking about Peter, uh, the one who was told to feed the lambs, to feed the sheep. You remember that after the resurrection? Well, before the resurrection, before the crucifixion, uh, we learned that Peter followed afar off. Luke 22 and verse 54 says, then they, then they took him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. Now as we read those words, obviously it's talking about Peter's distance to the Lord socially, but it also represents his distance spiritually speaking. How close are you to the shepherd? Uh, we have been going through a year of where we've been told to be socially distant and socially distant. 
Uh, we're not exactly socially distant in here. Don't tell anybody. Um, but uh, some of us have, if we're not careful, we will become spiritually distant to the Lord, to our shepherd. And when we do that, guess what happens? We can become very vulnerable to the attack of Satan. You see, Peter said this. It was the same guy who followed Jesus afar off, who ended up denying the Lord three times, going out and weeping bitterly. It was that same man who later wrote, Be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for those who are not very close to the shepherd. Because those who are close to the shepherd are going to be completely safe. But those who are distant from the shepherd, they're going to be easy prey for the adversary. So again, I ask you, how close are you to the good shepherd? Peter wasn't the only one who followed afar off. Jesus said this to the religious Pharisees in Matthew 15. He said, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. All of us can get to the same point Peter was. All of us can become spiritually distant from the Lord. Reminds me of another song we sometimes sing at our church, Come Thou Fount. And in that last stanza of that song, we sing, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We know that close to the shepherd is the place of safety, but sometimes we do veer off, don't we? Because all we, like sheep, have gone astray. If you think about Peter, the one who followed Jesus afar off, and you compare him with John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. You see, John was a little different than Peter because John was close to the shepherd. We find him on the night Jesus met with the disciples in the upper room. We find John, the Bible says, leaning on the bosom of the Savior. The way they sat back in those days was a little different than on these chairs. Uh, they, they basically kind of leaned back a little bit. And as John was leaning, he was leaning right on the bosom of the Lord Jesus. It wasn't weird. It wasn't creepy. It wasn't anything like that. It was very natural back in that day for people to kind of lean back and, and uh, kind of lean on each other a little bit as they're uh, looking a certain direction. And, and at the, the, the way that John was leaning, he was leaning on the bosom of Jesus. Imagine being able to hear the heartbeat of the Lord Jesus. Amazing. That's, the, that's how close John was. Well, now that's not the only time, though. Uh, we find John as the lone disciple at the cross. As Jesus is crucified there on the cross of, uh, at the cross of uh, Calvary, there, there's only one disciple there. Everyone else bailed. Everyone else bolted and fear, for fear of their lives except for John. Only one disciple of the twelve was there, and it was John. You see, he remained close to the shepherd. Well, was that a good thing for him? Absolutely. He went on to write the Gospel of John, which we're preaching from this morning. He went on to write 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And then he also had the privilege of writing a wonderful book of the Bible called the book of Revelation. You see, being close to the shepherd is a good thing. 
There's a song, and I've quoted several different hymns today, haven't I? <laughs> That's okay. It's called Near to the Heart of God. There is a place of comfort sweet near to the heart of God, a place where we, our Savior, meet near to the heart of God. Uh, the, first, the first thing we need to make sure is we need to make sure we're saved. We need to make sure we have a relationship with Christ. That's the first thing that brings us close to the Lord. Ephesians 2, 13 says, Now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Well, after our salvation, he then invites us to continue drawing close to him. In James 4, 8, we find this conditional promise. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Mrs., if you would come up here at this time. I've already asked her if she could help me with this. So she's aware. If you go ahead and come over here. We're going to let Julie represent the Lord because she's a much better representative than I am, <laughs> okay? And, uh, and I'm over here. I'm the Christian. And here's the conditional promise. The Lord says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. So I'm going to draw nigh to God, and God's going to draw nigh to me. Now, how do we draw nigh to God? We spend time in God's word. We are faithful to the Lord's house we uh, take the next steps in our Christian life where we're uh, trying to get the gospel out to others. And we, we, we take these steps to draw nigh to God, and every time we do, He promises to draw nigh to me. And uh, we just continue. I'm going to have a special prayer time every day, and I'm going to have devotions every day and grow and make it a priority in my life. And I, I'm going to really try to train my family in the things of God and, and make that a priority. And I'm trying to draw an eye to God, and every time I do, we get closer. I do love this illustration, especially with her, because <laughs> we're getting close to the kissing zone. <laughs> and we keep drawing closer and closer. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Good kiss, because our very first kiss was in church, uh, but anyway, on our wedding day. So I'll let you be seated. You get the idea. Every time you draw closer to the Lord, he promises to draw close back. What a blessing. What a blessing. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. So let's wrap it up this morning. The Lord Jesus is indeed the good shepherd. But here's a good question. The Lord Jesus is the good shepherd, but are we good sheep? Now, I realize that some might take this in a political direction. I don't mean it anything political right now. We're talking spiritually speaking. Here's some questions to determine if we are good sheep. First question is this, are you even one of his sheep? Do you know the shepherd? Has there been a time in your life when uh, you started a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Many years ago, one of England's leading actors was asked to recite for the pleasure of his fellow guests. And uh, he consented and asked if there was anything special that his audience would like to hear. After a moment's pause, an old clergyman pre present said, uh, could you, sir, recite to us the 23rd Psalm? A strange look passed over the actor's face, and he paused for a moment and then said, I can and I will, uh, upon one condition. And that is, after I have recited it, you, my friend, will do the same. 
I, said the clergyman in surprise, but I am not an eloquent speaker. However, if you wish, I, I will do so. Impressively, the great actor began the psalm. His voice and uh, his tone were perfect. He held his audience spellbound, and as he finished, a great burst of applause broke from the guests. Then, as it died away, the old clergyman arose and began the psalm. His voice was not remarkable. His tone was, was not faultless. And when he had finished, no sound of applause broke the silence, but there was not a dry eye in the room, and many heads were bowed. The actor rose to his feet again, and his voice shook as he laid his hand upon the shoulder of the old clergyman and said, I reached your eyes and ears, my friends. But you see, he reached your hearts. The difference is this. I know the 23rd Psalm, but this man, he knows the shepherd. There's a big difference between knowing the 23rd Psalm and knowing the shepherd. Can I ask you this question? Do you know the shepherd? You can't be a good sheep of his if you don't know him. Do you know the shepherd? Next question. Do you trust him to provide for you? Or are you constantly worrying about how your needs are going to be met? Worrying about the future? He's the good shepherd. He cares for you. He will provide for you. You need to trust him. Next, are you faithfully following his guidance in your life? Or is there some area where you're just not willing to go, Lord? Oh, I know you're trying to lead me over here, but the answer is no. And you're that stubborn sheep that just won't follow the shepherd. Are you a good sheep? In order to be a good sheep, you have to know the shepherd. You have to trust the shepherd. You have to follow the shepherd. And then... Here's this next question. What is your distance to the good shepherd? If there's a lot of distance between you and the Lord, let's close that distance this morning. You don't have to worry about getting COVID from the Lord. Okay? He's not going to give you COVID. Um, he's going to keep you safe. Um, he may, in his plan, decide that you need COVID. He did in my life. I didn't love it. It wasn't my favorite. I don't really want it again, ever. But you know, that's part of following the Lord is sometimes he leads us into those valleys that aren't real pleasant. And he has a plan and a purpose for it. And we need to trust him. He's the good shepherd, but are you a good sheep? Let's pray.